And welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy and our winning streak is over and we were collared by the Bulldogs and this uh, 2020 season could be slipping away from us. Joining me tonight is longtime Demonlander George. Good evening, George. How are you doing? Good evening, Andy. And uh, like our intro music, I think the, the, club, the club's struggling a little bit with their performances as well. It certainly is. Um, uh, Well, uh, I don't think we can fall the uh, Norm Smith uh, curse any longer. Also joining us tonight, long-time caller to the show, B-Man. Good evening, B-Man. How are you going? Good evening, Demon Landis. Good evening, Andy and George. Um, and that I like the way that intro music actually sounds like a tape that's uh, in that old tape deck I had back in 1979, listening to Led Zeppelin, the wing, sort of going in and out. So that's a very good, neat effect, Andy. Well, um, that could be uh, just uh, your internet going in and out, but uh, it was <laughs> that that song was recorded off uh, off a tape. Um, so <laughs> I um, purchased. Uh, this tape, I've got it right in my hands here, the Come On Demons tape, which also includes uh, Demon Dance. Um, so maybe we'll play that at another stage. I might have to rip that off this old uh, old cassette tape uh, here. But I believe they released that on vinyl as well uh, back, in the, back in the day. And uh, I also had a copy on VHS um, for the trifecta. Um, boys, um, you know, when, you, when we talk about... Uh, Oh, before we do that, I might just uh, do a bit of a housekeeping. Uh, you know, we love hearing from Demon Landers, so if you'd like to join our program tonight uh, to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, give us a call on zero three nine zero one six three triple six. That's zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or Skype us at Demonland thirty one. We do love hearing from you all out there. If you're listening to the show live, come join us in the chat room uh, at demonland.com slash podcast. You can ask us um, questions or post comments there. Uh, if you're listening to the show at your leisure via SoundCloud uh, on demonland.com or via an Apple Apple or Android podcasting app. Uh, Give us a subscribe um, and you'll receive updates when the new show drops. Uh, Leave us favourable reviews. It helps more people find us. We're on Spotify and Stitcher too, so you can get the show that way as well. Go to demonland.com to find your preferred method of listening. Uh, You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31, Twitter at demonland, Instagram at demonland31 or on YouTube. YouTube, search for Demonland Podcast and listen to some of the interviews that we've conducted with current and past players and coaches. Um, the one that we did with uh, Aaron Vandenberg uh, last week is up and ready to listen. Uh, if you love talking about the D's 24-7 all year round, why not join up to Demonland.com and chat with other D's fans about this great club. Well, sometimes great club. Uh, boys, uh, when you talk about eight-point games, um, you can't get more eight points than this one, B-Man. I know you love uh, eight-point game talk. Uh, we're clearly fighting it out with the uh, Bulldogs and the Blues for that final spot in the eights. Uh, perhaps you can throw Collingwood and St Kilda in the mix given they've got buys coming up and their, their draws to come. Uh, but this loss certainly hurts our final chances and uh, makes that uh, the game next week against St Kilda, this week against St Kilda, a make or break. Uh, lose and uh, you can probably kiss the, the season uh, goodbye. Um, you know, but that brings me to my, before we go talk about that, it brings me to my next point is, do we really deserve a place in the finals? Uh, we've beaten no one of note this year. Our wins have all been uh, to teams out of the eight. I'm not including beating the Suns when they were in the eight. Uh, and you can argue beating the injury-depleted Collingwood that might not count either. Um, we just can't seem to rise to the occasion. We've lost to Port, Brisbane, uh, albeit a, a small margin to Brisbane, uh, Geelong as well, another small margin, West Coast, Richmond, and, and now the Bulldogs, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and well, Bulldogs are eighth now. They were seventh uh, when I was making some of the notes. Uh, and next week we play sixth. It's a huge test. Um, I fear we're just a middle-of-the-road team. I, I, I think the, the news... Uh, the good news is that we, I think we've turned the corner and we're no longer a bottom four side. Um, 
and the two games after the Saints game will either confirm this. Uh, uh, what do you guys think, uh, George? Um, uh, do we deserve finals uh, with our performances this year? Uh, you wouldn't think so. And, and, and um, we said last week that this was the eight-point game and it really told us where we stand. Um, I think the Bulldogs are certainly playing good football at the moment, but um, we're now dependent on other teams, other clubs to lose rather than us um, having our own future in our own hands. And we're th- so we're throwing that opportunity away. However, looking at the um, makeup of the uh, top eight at the moment, I think um, for me, there's probably only two two teams that are really in it at the moment, which are West Coast and Geelong. I think every other side there, there has proved that they're fragile. I mean, Richmond just fell in against Essendon during the, uh, uh, in the last week. Um, Brisbane were fell in against St Kilda. Um, so Collingwood are you know desperate <laughs> to get some players back. Um, so they might be um, a little bit better towards the end of the season, but. Um, I think I think we could be in that group that sort of sits somewhere between third and um, probably tenth at the moment. Um, but like I said, it's now up to other teams to start losing rather than us controlling our own fate. Uh, big man, thoughts on uh, on that? Yeah, I guess I mean I'm. Yeah, I don't mean this to sound um, a bit of a smart-ass, but, you know, we'll see. If we make the finals, we will have deserved it. One thing I really like about this season is playing each game once. Um, It's been a crazy season for the the players and for everyone. So there's so many variables. One variable in our favour has been our lack of injuries, and so that doesn't bode well for where we are. But um, um, I'm still relatively confident um, that we'll make finals, certainly not as confident as last week. Week. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, you don't win. Um, this might be an exception this year. Who knows? But you generally grand finals aren't won from outside the top four. So um, if we make finals, it'll be in the bottom part of the eight, uh, um, which would then be, of course, very hard to go on and win a flag. Um, so, you know, we're really arguing about whether we're in the seventh to tenth or really discussing whether we're in the seventh to tenth range, which is not really where we want to be. Um, I guess there's um, uh, just I'm not sure if you guys have seen this I, I saw this on Twitter just before the show started I put it on to Demonland there are some crazy statistics um, of what uh, crazy run home statistics uh, scenarios I should say uh, that could potentially happen we could win uh, all of our last five games and miss the finals. Uh, it happened in one of uh, 100 million uh, season simulations um, <laughs> where we win all five, one in, one in 100 million where we win all five and, and miss the finals. And then there's Melbourne could lose four of their last five games and make the finals. And this happened in four of 100 million uh, simulations. <laughs> So, the, the, I mean, can you imagine us losing four of the last five and still making the final? That that would just be a, a ridiculous scenario, but could could happen. Um, but I could see uh, us winning all five and not making it. Oh, that is that, the most despite Melbourne. Despite those incredible points, <laughs> um, I could certainly see that happening. That is the most Melbourne uh, of scenarios that could possibly happen, uh, us winning all five games. Um and not, not making it. I think uh, that's known as the in mathematics as the Melbourne equation. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Look it up. It, uh, it is a real thing. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, this week's game. It was it was hard for me to sort of uh, prepare notes for today. I was just uh, uh, yeah. It's just yeah. This is Melbourne. Um, you know, we needed to prove ourselves against a, a good midfield, and I think we're really shown up. Um, you know, if you expl- if you were explaining what had happened to someone who didn't see the game, you, I guess you can simply say they turned up the heat in the third quarter, and we just fell to pieces. And I mean, I'm scratching my head. Were we, uh, B man? I might start with you. Were we outcoached or were we outplayed? Yeah, on that. Um I don't know that I agree, to be honest, that they turned up the heat in the third quarter yeah. and we crumbled. I, I, I saw that sort of 
comment a few times on Beeman Land. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they applied any more pressure in that third quarter than they had through through the match. They definitely applied more pressure than us through the match, probably mm-hmm. until uh, the last quarter. But what we just didn't do in that third quarter was spread hard enough. And for once, the commentators were spot on. For me, it was a pretty obvious sort of problem what was happening, and the commentators pointed it out. They were transitioning the ball ridiculously ridiculously easy from one end to the other, from their fifty back 50 to their forward 50. Um, and as we talked about last week, um, on the spread, as George noted about how well we've worked this year at covering the outlet and the um, switch kick, um, that clearly wasn't happening. And um, as I think of all people, Gary Lyon noted, we were first or second before that game in difficulty in uh, the opposition transitioning it from their their back half to their front half. Um, and um, in that third quarter, you could have been excused for thinking we were the worst in that stat in the league because um, they just torched us up that wing. Um, so I think that that for me wasn't so much about pressure it was just that they came out after half time and that's what I find most inexplicable um, and didn't do the running required for um, what our game plan demands but in fact what any game um, plan demands in AFL footy Uh, George anything to add on um, about whether you think we were out coached or or whether it was just simply were outplayed I, I think it was a, a bit of both, actually. Um, so um, uh, I think also Ben Man hit, hit, hit the nail on the head with one of the points. Um, in, in that third quarter, although they kicked six goals straight, we had at least three opportunities that I can remember where we had a kick, either a set shot or an easy shot in front of goal that we simply did not um, put through the, the majors. If we'd kicked three goals in that third quarter and they'd kicked six, that would have been a far... Um, we would have gone into the last quarter with a far better chance. And in fact, in, I think in the last quarter, at one point, we're only 16 points down. So we completely blew it off our own foot, uh, uh, goal-kicking efforts in that third quarter. But just as equally, as Spinman has said, and also the commentators, um, the, the lack of response to the um, Bulldogs' way that they moved the ball out of the... Out of the our back, our forward line effectively, and into their um, up towards their forward line was was reprehensible. That that there was just nothing done. They they had a simple policy, which was kick it short in the first kick and then run. And um, we we just didn't have the pressure from the forwards and the mids to stop the run. Once the run had started, it was all over. It. Um, they're playing a similar style of play um, to what Richmond play, um, and unless we change some dramatically this week, it's exactly the same style of play that St Kilda plays, so um, we need to have that more forward pressure, it was interesting I watched the Brisbane game uh, when they played St Kilda and Brisbane shut them down after probably less than half a quarter um, from doing what they want to do, but if um, we let them out, we'll finish up with the same result, so uh, um, uh, I hope the coach has seen it he mentioned in his um, uh, post-match speech that um, uh, he noted that four goals of theirs came from uh, our, our forward line. Uh, um, so take those four goals away and you've got a relatively easy um, uh, match at the end. We, we didn't simply because we failed to do what we were meant to do, both from the coaching and from the players. And can I just pick up on that point, um, George, the, the out-coached or out-played sort of idea is the four, as you know, the forward line just didn't put on that pressure that they needed to. But I think often the focus is on their tackling up forward when it's really the forwards, um, the big defensive pressure they need to put on is that spread. And it's not really that first mm. kick for the switch. I think it's the next one because if that next one goes to someone who can immediately go, um, which is exactly what happened, well, they're away. Um, you've got to get – someone's got to work hard enough to stop that next kick they're not the one in from the one that comes from the switch the second after the switch because it's that's the one that releases the play if that if they hold get across an even man the mark even if you don't stop the marking the ball ideally obviously you, you spoil it over the boundary line and get a stoppage but if they can wheel and go which is what they did well they're away to the races um and that's a forwards thing the forward has to cover that and Langdon's been so brilliant for us um, and I don't know which side of the wing he was but I wonder whether he was on the opposite side 
um, because he's one of the few players who right to the end of each game gut runs across and covers and it doesn't look very you know it's not a very sexy thing to run across and man the mark but it's so critical and they did it all day it was it was so evident what mm. was happening so those forwards I think Tom McDonald's lack of mobility I thought he tried hard and I, I don't want to have a shot at him um, but they played through him a bit and you know he, they stretched him I don't think Cosy worked hard enough on that outlet kick I don't think um, uh, um, uh, Bailey Fritch did either um, they've just Fritch. got to cover off that that kick now is that out coached I, I reckon it's more what my concern is is they didn't come out after half time and just all over that and gut run because because that's to me where the coaching comes in, getting them mentally switched on so that, you know, they come out after half time and there's no chance of allowing a free player on that wing. I thought our, our midfield was uh, was well beaten. None of our midfielders really fired a shot. Uh, track seemed off his game. Uh, Oliver, I don't know if it was a matter of him looking gas, but he, he only had 15 touches, which is very unlike him. You know, Viney tries hard, uh, but there was no sort of payoff. I, th- I think his uh, kicking was a bit off, and Gus just didn't have that same influence that he's had in the past few weeks. Uh, I think we played accountable footy. Uh, again, what you were talking about, uh, coming out of half act, but no one was manning up Lockie Hunter. He was just by himself. He was free to roam the ground. No one was manning the bond. Um, and I thought we reverted back to our old ways um, in the midfield with sort of all going in for that contested ball and, and flicking it out, and, but leaving our opponents to mop up on the outside. And then they were just away and, you know, sort of link chain of handballs and, and they're out of there and uh, were delivering into their forward line um, superbly. Um, uh, what's his... Uh, uh, I think... Uh, who was their small forward, the curly hair guy? Wallace was... Oh, Wallace. He was just Wallace. getting a superb uh, delivery into him. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, when you have a gun midfield like we've got just not firing and they've also got a very comparable uh, midfield uh, and they seem to be uh, firing on all cylinders. I mean, I think for a big part of those, you know, the the kicks that they had in to Wallace so often were under no pressure and there was one from Bont and, um, you know, there's talk about whether we should um, on Demon Land, whether you go to put someone on him. But as we've talked about over the last few weeks, you do that, you sacrifice a player. Um, but if that means if you don't do it, everyone's got to put maximum pressure on, on when he's about to kick the football. And he, a couple of times, he got the football twice and had no pressure. And one was really telling. It's, again, as we've talked about often enough, it's hard to tell who's not working hard when on television. But there was one where... Salem looked like whether he was exhausted at the end of a long run, I'm not sure, but he just didn't put enough pressure on um, um, Bonampelli, who just drilled a kick into Wallace, gave him no chance. Um, but once again, with Wallace, it was those small and medium things that uh, hurt us. Um, I thought one of our biggest strengths in, uh, in 2018 uh, was using harms in a negating role. Um, like why not move make a move and put harms onto one of these guys for, for mine he's not and I've said it the past few weeks I don't think he's cutting it in defence and uh, I think to do nothing to negate uh, Bontempelli or McRae was a bit of a failure on the in the coaching panel and that's why I'm sort of a bit in the um, camp of uh, that we were out coached um, because we didn't make moves like that um, uh, George um uh, would you have been in favour of us uh, negating one of their one of their mids? Sorry, you dropped out. I think the, uh, was to the yeah, that was to George. To me, okay. Uh, I think the difficulty was, was highlighted. Um, then the you know, who do you move out of the midfield? Yeah. Uh, quite frankly, Harms is not playing well at the moment. He's fu- very fumbly. He's not sure. He's not marking the ball. Um, um, so I'm not sure whether he'd provide the value that we need and it's, I think it's also very easy to forget how good uh, Bond and Perley and McRae are as players um, I don't know that um, you can stop them uh, all that much what really disappointed me um, was uh, that basically the mids both our mids and their mids 
got similar sort of statistics in terms of possessions, but the quality of their mids was just so superior, you know, that um, when Bontempelli kicks the ball in the forward line and lands on Wallace's chest all too often, and McRae does the same thing, is because they're, they're very good players. Um, we, we, were, we seem to revert to what we were doing um, four weeks ago where, you know, people like Oliver were back to getting the ball out as quickly as possible by handballs. You know, they don't seem to have learned the lessons of um, calm down, take the, take take that little uh, bit of that uh, step, take take a deep breath and deliver it properly. We were back, back to just flicking it out and hoping the hell that somebody else got it. Um, we, we were just outclassed in the middle, which was a real pity because Bruce in the ruck gave gave us huge opportunities, um, which we just didn't take um, successfully against this week. So um, it, it was disappointing from the mids. It was doubly disappointing when you looked at the scoring that came from our mids. Um, Oliver was the only one who kicked a goal, whereas four of their mids kicked a goal. Um, again, you know, in a game that's decided by only a few goals in the end. Um, that's that's part of the reason why why we lose the games. That we're just not getting the output necessary from the mids in a whole series of areas. But you know they made that change after half time. Uh, you know we had taken control of the game. Uh, they made a relatively simple move. They took Tim English out of the ruck. Um, you know he was getting monstered by mm. Bruce. They replaced him with Bruce, who had done nothing up until half time. Um, they were using um, uh, they were using Dunkley in the ruck. Um, you know we could have made a move we could have done so I, I can't remember where i read this but someone had suggested uh you know when when dunkley's in the ruck get get proust to just thump it forward uh and have someone like uh petrarca forward p- pump it towards him sort of out of that midfield area rather than just sort of palming it down uh, because some of Bruce's uh, palming downs were going straight to Bulldogs players anyway uh, so maybe we use that big size and strength and get clear the ball out of it uh, do something I just don't think we sort of thought outside the box and I think we keep just trying to do the same thing and it just wasn't working and uh, you know mm-hmm. You said we reverted back to what we were doing four weeks ago, and that brings it back to: Are we just flat track bullies? Yeah, we can do this against the weak teams, and have that extra time with the ball. But you know, bring a quality team in, a quality midfield, and we fall to pieces. Um, you know, just imagine what's going to happen against St Kilda. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> On um, uh, Bruce, he had uh, it was forty two hitouts to thirteen. Yeah. And that sort of more grist for that mill about the value, you know, the discussion about the value of the Ruckman and particularly moving English forward and um, Bruce up onto the ball. But one of the curious things around that, they were using Dunkley in the, from for their throw-ins. And it was strange why they didn't just grab it out of the air and try to take advantage of that. Like it was, a, uh, and I'm not sure. Um, George or Andy, can you do you know with the presumably the boundary line throw-ins are counted in the hit-out stats? Are they? S- sorry, can you just say that again? Are the boundary line throw-ins counted um, as part of the hit-outs in the hit-out stats? I would assume so. Yeah, have to right, yeah, because, so, so yeah, with so the number of goals, thirteen, um, there's insufficient yeah, to get forty-one hit-outs. Yeah, so 10 of them would have been the ones against Dunkley. And what did we do with them? You know, so they basically had Proust up against Dunkley, who's barely six foot, I wouldn't have thought. Um, and uh, so no, it didn't take any one, advantage Dunkley's of that um, at all. Sorry, George, you said Dunkley's 194? 194, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's... it's Certainly a failure. The, the other player that I thought was fantastic for them. <laughs> Go ahead. The other player that I thought was fantastic for them was um, was uh, Liberatore. He he. Uh, I don't know what his numbers were, but his contested ball at one point was just through the the roof, and he he was really the heart. Um, getting the ball out, and I thought it was a big factor for them um, in that, well, right through the game, but particularly that third quarter where he was uh, the dominant midfielder, I thought. 
I, I just wonder, you know, what um, if if we would have had the same result had had Gorn been in the side. Um, certainly, his uh, his palm works better, but we we have seen against uh, quality opposition uh, sometimes the midfield just uh, sort of shark it off him. So uh, I don't know. Look, it's a moot point because he wasn't there. Um, but I wonder. Uh, I do wonder what would have happened had he had no. he been there. Well, one, a question I had in the game actually afterwards, there were a few. And I mean, it, for me, it sort of did reinforce that we're a middle tier team. And, and in some ways, I wasn't that, you know, angry about that as, you know, as disappointed as I was perhaps in the Port game. But um, because of that, it did reinforce that that's where we're at. And the middle of the, the sort of table team can't um, go without their best player, can they? But the thing that I thought was noticeable really was the leadership in that third quarter. Uh, George mentioned not taking our chances which is spot on if we had in the third quarter we would have been in that game we would have come home with some confidence um but you had melksham give away that 50 which was just appalling and um that put it out to 24 points i think and for me at that point i thought well that game's over we're not coming back from four goals against them and i just wonder gorn's leadership um would have been a massive factor in that game because i can't imagine he would have been um not working hard not that Proust wasn't um, but, you know, Proust is obviously not the player Gorn is. Uh, and I thought we lacked a bit of leadership in that second half. Uh, Viney tried hard, but we really needed someone to just put themselves in the game and say, well, we're not going to lose this game of football. Um, yeah, we did. We've talked about uh, them, you know, their ability to, to waltz the ball out of our forward line and bring it down to down, down the ground with ease. Uh, D- uh, Caleb Daniel, JJ Crozier, they had a field day across half back. You know, all clever players who use the ball well and you know able to hit targets in those tricky t- conditions. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, just, uh, uh, George, uh, I think you pointed out in, in your match review that uh, scores from turnovers are uh, 59 uh, to 23. Uh, that's cost us again. That Those yeah. those numbers were bobbing up during uh, those games sort of against the top tier teams and it's, it's happened again. You know, we're being made to pay by quality oppositions and, you know, obviously this wasn't happening uh, for that three weeks, the miracle three weeks we had uh, three wins in a row. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, those turnovers are, are costly. Yeah, the, the two things there, the um, waltzing the ball out of the forward line, I think we briefly talked about, but it was, uh, like, like I said, um, uh, the dogs run it out um uh, Geelong took us apart with short kicks. The Dogs took uh, took us apart with with running it out. And those players like the Daniels and the, the Croziers and and the like. Um, and we we just weren't, as Bidman said before, we weren't applying pressure to them. No, no, I went from one end to the other, as the coaches noted, on four separate occasions. And Melbourne player didn't touch the ball. Um, there's just not a, enough pressure being put on the on the uh, on the individual players. I, I, See the setups that we're um, uh, putting in the back line. Uh, sorry, in in our forward line. I don't know whether we've got a sufficient press up there. Um, it'll, you know, this is the pity of watching on the television. Um, but just as equally, the turnovers were absolutely killing us. The the unforced ones were the were the really critical ones. Uh, that that just when you give it a team like Footscray and St Kilda will do the same. They did it. On multiple occasions to Brisbane, if you give them the opportunity, they'll take the ball from one end of the ground to the other, um, and they will score every single time that they go down there because you're so far out of position when it happens. If we keep doing that, then we definitely not be making any finals, and, and certainly not beyond. So, uh, some really critical areas that need to be addressed before next week. A further breakdown for that third – one sec, B-Man, before you go on, uh, uh, George, that uh, third quarter uh, scores from turnovers, they kicked uh, five goals to our one point. Uh, so yeah. the third quarter was costly in terms of turnovers. Yeah, there's the game, isn't it? We, yeah. we, we gave them the game in that because of turnovers. Go ahead, B-Man. I was going to say, I'm mean, going to touch on the conditions, but for me, it, it, it goes to one of my hobby horses that I've been banging on about for a long time with the club, 
is that we've just got too many poor um, to average to poor kicks and um, Bulldogs are a team that have specifically recruited under um, Beveridge um, a, a number of players who are above average and a number of elite players like you think of Hunter, Bontempelli, um, Caleb Daniels, all, all those players I mentioned last week that are brilliant kicks. So if, if your um, work is an, you know, it's 85%. 85% might be all right against the Pies because they don't have the same level of elite kicks. Um, but um, in those conditions, it's a bit like golf. Um, the wind will destroy bad technique. Um, and we've got so many play- players with bad technique, and it, and it was evident. And they've got most of their players, or a good chunk of their players, the ones with the ball. Uh, I've been asked to do that switch or that kick that just has to hit the target uh, and they're kicking for goal, it must be said. They've got great technique and, and I think the conditions really showed that and there was a kick that brought it home for me where Petrarca turned it over trying to cross mm. uh, and he um, just couldn't get it over the top of one of their players and it was pure, he just didn't hit the ball and that was a technique issue uh, and in that sort of wind, the technique is a poor technique will get exposed every time in, in wet but particularly windy conditions and, and I think it did and that was a huge factor in the game Yeah, I guess the training on the windy uh, Casey ground hasn't really helped us uh, much um, Yeah, those conditions were, were horrendous uh, I, They didn't seem to have the same problems we did uh, I thought we struggled to kick over the mark quite a few times. I'm not sure if that was as a result of the wind that they were trying to keep the ball lower um, or what happened there, or they were just brain farts. But that definitely uh, cost us. Our forwards just couldn't execute. Uh, as I said, the wind was unforgiving. It was no uh, highlighted the most when uh, Bailey Fritch uh, had that goal from... 30 metres out, 25 metres out and the you know, he sort of even kicked it a little bit to the left and the wind just mm. took it <laughs> right to the right. Uh, I've never seen the ball move like that. Uh, uh, well, not for a while. You don't usually see that at the MCG anyway. Um, but obviously the ground we're playing on is a lot more open. Certainly one end of the ground is. Um, Speaking uh, of golf, looked exactly like one of the golf shots. <laughs> Go ahead, B-Man, sorry. No, I was just saying that speaking of golf, that looked exactly like one of my golf shots <laughs> yes. and uh, I, that's how I hit him in the perfect condition. <laughs> so you can imagine when it's windy. Uh, George, you wanted to add something? Yeah, yeah I, 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 just to reinforce what B-Man said, even that Bailey fridge kick highlighted the lack, the lack of technique. Um, he, he might have only been 30 metres out, but he tried to steer it through and didn't put enough... Um, into the ball. He, he tried to kick 30 metres from 30 metres out. He should have been trying to kick at 50 metres. The ball got um, taken by the wind when when it lost all its momentum. Um, if he'd kicked it kicked it hard, and the same same applied to Pickett's uh, sorry uh, Pickett's kick when he tried to dinky it over the top from about 20 metres out. Uh, if you don't kick through the ball in windy conditions, it will get caught by the wind. Um, if you try to kick from 50 and it finally, when it does lose momentum, you know, in that last 10 metres, you can forgive that, but not from 20 and 30 metres out. It, it was just about technique. And we've seen it multiple times in, in the season. We, we don't seem to adapt to conditions. No. Um, when it's wet, we try to pick the ball up instead of kicking it off the ground. You know, the simple stuff that you teach in under 10s, um, which we just don't adapt. And, you know, we, once again, we pay in, in, in that third quarter, if we if we kicked those three goals, we would have been in the in the competition at, at come the final bell. But you know we were so far behind by that late stage, we're never coming back. Uh, Bailey's and, mu- and even um, go ahead, Bin Man. Sorry, no, no, even no. George in that last quarter when we did get a bit of momentum up, we turned it over, missed shots, turned it over. I mean, we wouldn't have, we didn't really deserve to get back in. Do it, but we could have, and we turned it over. I think it was track again, but turned it over in the middle, and that was that. But I think we kicked the goal, and we were pushing, and we turned it over with an appalling kick, and um, that was the game. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, you look, Bailey Fritch, one goal, two. Melksham, one goal, three. Cosy missed two that he probably should be kicking. You know, the straight kicking, it's been an issue in games uh, we've lost, and this week... Uh, 
was no exception. Uh, it's not the, not the only excuse for the loss, uh, but one of many contributing factors. But I thought we had a, quite a few uh, passengers in the forward line. We've sort of uh, touched on this in terms of uh, uh, tackling and pressure. Hannon, Spargo, I have a picket. Look, he, he had um, five tackles for the match. And, and then there's Melksham as well. Um, and George, you pointed this out in in your reporters too. Uh, T Mac, you know, going into the ruck we've left Weed again, uh, being, you know, only left. You know, Weed was left to contend with two backmen, uh, who who certainly uh, made us pay as well. Um, just before yeah, Andy, just before we go on, about the, um, the, um, the transition that they they were able to do the. Um, there was a poster on Deanland on that um, tactics thread, the game plans and tactics thread, a first-time poster, Canary and Burns, that um, looked at some t- statistics for the year and um, had put a remarkable stat up that in our losses this year, um, we've averaged 28 um, less uncontested possessions. The differential was uh, negative 28 in our losses. Uh, and in our wins, it's um, plus 2.3. Um, uh, that's a remarkable stat in terms of pointing to the likelihood of losses. If we lose our uncontested possessions against the Saints following that trend, um, then we're going to lose the game, you'd think. Mm. Yeah, I just saw that post uh, 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 just before we went to air. It was a good one. Uh, George, you uh, wanted to add something? Yeah, I was just about the, the forward line pressure as well. Um, do we want to talk about that briefly? Or? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, there was some interesting statistics that um, were dug up by um, Axis and Bob um, during the week talking about the pressure and the, the um, the tackling that comes from the forward line. Um, just to give you a brief rundown, um, when we talk talk about the lack of the lack of pressure um, and the lack of effort uh, so far this year, um, Bailey Fritch has had 13 tackles from 12 games. Pickett has had 27 tackles from 10 games. Melchior has had 14 from 12 games. Um, of those, Fritch has had eight in the forward half. Out out of 12 games. Pickett's had 11 out of 10 games and Melchins had six tackles in the forward 50 out of 12 games. Now, that's bad enough on its own from my perspective where someone's only tackling um, in the forward half when you're a forward, uh, in the forward 50 when you're a forward. But when you compare it with other sides, how about this one? Brent at the Cats has had 66 tackles in nine games this year. Um, at West Coast, Josh Kennedy... 12 tackles in 10 games, including 10 in the in the forward 50. Jack Daly, 28 tackles in 11 games, including 14 in the forward 50. And then you look at other other clubs like um, I mentioned, Parfit at Geelong. Hawkins has had 18 tackles in 12 games at Geelong. Uh, Gary Rowan's uh, eight tackles in 11 games in the forward 50. We are miles behind the these successful sides, and I could say Geelong and. West Coast are my tips to be playing off in the grand final. Unless we get up to that standard, we're just not going to we're just not, not going to get the opportunities that um, we've seen Richmond win a couple of premierships based on forward pressure. I don't think they're at the same level this year, but that's how successful teams keep the ball in their forward fifty and keep scoring. We're just not doing it at the moment. We've we've approximately got you know somewhere between half and a third of the uh, necessary um, pressure coming from our forwards. It's an interesting point. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I look. I I really don't think we can be compared to any of those top teams, and until we start doing those things, we won't be. Mm. Simple as that. Um, well, on that point. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, <laughs> we've no, got no, this delay. No, no. It's, it's, it, I'll just say to our listeners, there is a bit of a delay. It's our our internet. So apologies for that. Uh, we're not in the room together, so we don't have uh, those visual cues either. But go ahead, be man. I was going to say um, the um, that same post that I quoted the stats from from Canary M Burns. He noted that um, uh, it, 
by his count or her count, um, they've had um, the D's have had 15 players playing forward this year, excluding resting mids like Petrarca. Um, and he and he makes the note that um, surely that's not conducive to executing our zone and forward half and I think it's a really good um, point I, I listened to um, the Zoom um, meeting with uh, Lee during the week and he talked about football now is all, all team pressure and that it's critical that the forwards and mids um, uh, play their role and that's been the difference this year for us is that the pennies dropped and they're finally playing their role um, well if you think that the back six it's important for you know it's a given that um, a consistent back six helps synergy and you know, that's been accepted as long as I've um, followed footy um, well the same applies by logic to uh, the forward line you know the more settled they are the more um, they know where they should be in terms of the zone. Um, they know who's going to go up tackle that player. Or um, so you know. I think that's you know not excluding the mids. Like the track of 15 through. There's a lot of players. In, what is it? 12 games of footy that have run through that have gone through that forward line. Mm. Yep. <laughs> All good points. Um, and and look, when you talk about uh, our back line, uh, I don't think you can point pin any of the blame on them um may was outstanding on norden uh, keeping him goalless mm. um uh, saw a stat this week about may i uh, look uh, i'd love him to be in calculation for all australian unfortunately i think there's other players from other teams who, who probably will take that but uh he should certainly be in the conversation um i'm just pulling up i i got this off the internet one sec it's just in my uh, screenshots of May this year Josh Kennedy zero goals uh, Mitch McGovern one Tom Hawkins zero uh, Tom Lynch two Ben King one uh, Gunston two Hipwood one Charlie Dixon zero Himmelberg zero uh, Walker zero uh, Ben Reed one uh, and Norton zero um, and that's uh, goals scored on May. So what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight goals scored on him uh, this year from uh, all the games we, uh, we've played. It, it's a remarkable effort. And certainly uh, I don't think there's any doubt um, that that trade has been a, a win for us. Um, although... <laughs> you might say it depends uh, whether you think uh, uh, Jesse Hogan being in the team uh, would uh, make a difference to our forward line structure. But uh, look, <laughs> again, moot point. We don't have him there. But uh, the fact that May's in there it was certainly uh, an area that we needed uh, improving. And he, he definitely straightens up that back line. Um, so fantastic. Uh, B-Man, uh, May, you're happy with him? Uh, yeah, I'm loving him more each week. And um, one of my favourite um, Melbourne footballers was Stephen Ick. Um, and he's starting to remind me of um, uh, Icky, the way, how reliable he is. Um, Ick, I just always felt that he was a player who, you know, gave you the same level of effort every um, game, win or lose. And um, May's approaching that sort of level of consistency and um we talked about Norton last week. He's a serious player, Norton, um, and he barely, you know, he could barely get to the ball. Um, I, I think May's kicking seems to be, it was probably about the best in the team, just about. I thought he didn't miss many targets that I can recall. Um, and he's, um, I really like his competitiveness too, and um, I wish a few more players had sort of shown his willingness to fight uh, in that third quarter in particular. And yeah, he's uh, fast becoming one of my favourite players. George, you're a fan of uh, Steve Ray? Yeah, yeah d definitely a big, big fan. Um, I think I'd much prefer to have Stephen May playing in the side than Jesse Hogan, particularly at the moment. So, um, uh, yeah, the uh, again, I mean, um, I saw the Brisbane uh, uh, St Kilda game as well over the weekend, and um, unfortunately, I I think the only downside that Stephen May might um, face in terms of an all-Australian position is Harris Andrews at the Brisbane, Brisbane, who is the embodiment of Stephen May and Jake Lever in the one body. He's he is something something even more. Again, he, he's intercept marking and his intercepts and spoils on top of um, his strength and height. He's he's surprised. I think he's two oh one as well. It's surprising, um, but um, I'm very happy that we've 
got Stephen May. Um, I thought Lever was uh, played, you know, his intercepting, spoiling role well, um, but I guess we, where the back line fell down, it wasn't the back line necessarily that fell down, but it was just the ease with which, the and we spoke about this, uh, that they were able to continually get the ball into their forward 50 under no pressure. Uh, that was our undoing. Um, yeah. One, one thing, though, that I would say, and, like, you know, I'd say this with some hesitation for fear that of my OMAC confirmation bias is <laughs> washing through is um, Tomlinson, I don't think, plays with a huge amount of energy. He was fine at six possessions. Um, but he's not super flexible, nor, nor is, um, to be fair, is OMAC. But um, they had a problem with Wallace, and the, the problem was that they ended up having to put him Keep it on uh, Lockhart. He was too too strong, too smart for Lockhart. Um, I think they tried someone else, and maybe even Lever might have been transferring on him at one point. Ended up putting Hibbert oh. on him, and Hibbert's no good one on one, and he's no good deep. Uh, he takes away his strength, which is his halfback running. Yeah. Um, and for me, the logical player to go on to him was May, but they weren't going to take May off Norton. No, um, because Lever nor Tomlinson could be. I'd be confident, or they would be confident either, um, would do the job on Norton. So I've seen them play um, May on Cameron, um, on Elliot for Collingwood. He easily could have um, taken um, Wallace. And Wallace plays like a traditional full forward. He comes out of the square. Um, and the only player I would have thought that could, I'd be confident, he's a good player, Wallace, he uses his body super well, uh, is May. Um, but they couldn't They couldn't move, um, uh, be confident of putting Lever or Tomlinson on um, Norton. Um, and I guess people would say, well, they wouldn't be confident putting um, uh, McDonald on him either. Um, but nonetheless, it was a concern, and I thought that was a really smart um, match-up um, problem that Bevo created for for the Dogs. Um, well, there. that's the end of uh, my notes uh, for the game. Um, <laughs> Do you guys have anything you want to add? I, I noticed, uh, Big Man, you said you wanted to talk about uh, Bartlett's comments uh, that he made. Was this the comments he made a couple of weeks ago or has he made some new comments? Yeah. No, no. The, the comments after the Port game, we talked about, um, you know, how clever or, you know, whether they were the right thing to do um, a few weeks back after the Port game. Um, and I... I was just thinking after the game is that the problem, one of the problems with the comments were, is there a break-in case of emergency sort of thing? How often can the, um, uh, a president, particularly one who doesn't say anything normally, come out and criticise his players um, the way and the football department the way he did? Um, and so they used it then, um, but they used it ahead of two games where almost certain, you know, you'd hope we were certain to win against the Crows and... Uh, the ruse and then a depleted Collingwood. So um, a game where we needed to win. In many ways, you could argue um, this game was a lot more disappointing than the Port game. We had a seven-day break. We're up against a contender for the spot in the eight that we want. They're a peer, a team that are about where we are on the development ladder, so to speak. Um, you know, like we talked about, it's a classic eight-point game. Port were flying at that point. Um, and these are the games that we've lost. Just over the last year, I think back to the 2017 game against Collingwood where we, the last game of the seasons where we did make the final um, last year, um, you know, 2018, probably not so much last year, but that's the knock on Melbourne. I heard someone on the radio say, well, you just don't know what you're going to get with Melbourne. Um, and the problem is the Port game was an outlier, um, but you wouldn't get many Melbourne fans say that this game was an outlier. And until we eradicate this sort of game being the norm for the footy club, well, we're not going to win a premiership. It's just not going to happen. Um, and in some ways, Bartlett's timing of his comment has meant that, you know, he can't come out this week. And I would have I would have been happier for him to come out this week and criticise that effort because it was a game we needed to win to make the finals. Mm. Yeah, I, I would have thought you, you'd keep that one in the pocket if we had lost to, to, to Adelaide the week after Port. Uh, because, yeah, you're right, he can't bring it out, he can't trot it out, uh, uh, he can't now trot it out now unless we fall, fall in an absolute heap and end up bottom four. Maybe he can come out and say something, but yeah, it is a uh, hmm, strange one. Um, George, you, you want to add to that? Yeah. I think the difficulty 
is is the uh, benefit of hindsight with these things. Um, yeah. uh, you might recall that Jeffrey Kennett also came out after Hawthorne had three successive losses and gave it to his players as well in a letter that he sent out to all the Hawthorne members. You know, um, when he said coaches can only do so much, players must be up to the task. Um, uh, and, and in both cases, um, prior to Hawthorne losing those three games uh, and Melbourne's position after the Port game was everything was at stake for both of those clubs at that point. If you don't lift your game, you're not going to be making finals. Is basically what the what the uh, presidents of both clubs were saying, and they can only use it once in a season, and you can't you can't use it you know when the um, season's been lost. You've got to use it before it's lost. Um, and the other thing is, it's not designed for the players. It's designed for the supporters and the sponsors to make sure that the club is far on what they are meant to be achieving. So I don't read as much into it as other people do. It makes, it makes the supporters feel good because at the end of the day, clubs are about selling hope and faith to the membership and and the sponsors as well. And if you, if you don't do anything, um, you're not going to keep the faith and the hope of those sponsors and, and members. So um, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, everybody can be, can be critical of after the event, but it's done and it's done. Um, I don't think you'll see a team that's sitting at the top of the ladder doing it because they don't need to do it. I don't see a team that's sitting at the bottom end of the ladder because there's no point. Um, you're only going to see it from from those are challenging in and around that you know sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth position during league. Um, you'll start to see it coming out of Essendon, um, as we've already seen from Matthew Lloyd. I think it was today criticising. Um, the club, um, it's the sort of thing you expect when people have expectations um, about where their club should be performing. All right. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, that's probably a good point. Perhaps, really, I guess the issue um, is the fact that it isn't an outlier. So, yeah, perhaps you're right, right, George, in terms of it's a bit neither here nor there, Bartlett's comments. But, you know, I guess the problem is that, from my perspective, that it wasn't an unusual game for us. It wasn't something that I was shocked that we didn't come out and perform the way we should have, even after half time. I wasn't shocked. I was disappointed. Um, but it was hard not to think this is par for the course for us. And a strange way why I'm confident we'll win next week. I actually think we'll win next week because that's the pattern. We, we, play well for two, three weeks. We get our sort of collective expectations rise. We're in good form. We lose a game that, we're, you know, form would suggest we're in a good shape to win. Um, we get whacked around the head and we come out the next uh, week and, and win. So, you know, I think it's a pattern we've got to get out of if we want to be a serious footy club and a, a top four contender, which is what Bartlett had talked about on Demonland being the goal, is to be a year-in, year-out contender flags which means you've got to be a top four side well we're not uh, we're certainly not uh, there yet uh, definitely not so yeah let's watch this space uh, let's move on uh, we've got a game coming up this week we had a scratch match uh, against uh, the St Kilda 2s uh, this week uh, we had a couple of North Melbourne players uh, playing in our side I know I saw um I saw Magic Door in a Demon's Jumper. I'm not sure who else uh, from North played uh, in the team. Uh, but apparently we ran out uh, winners. Uh, they weren't keeping score, but in a 16 versus 16 encounter, uh, they said we would have ran out the, the winners. So uh, I think uh, Josh Wagner booted a couple of goals. Uh, Neil Bullen played in there, but he's not still not available for a couple of weeks. Um, uh, Jaden Hunt said uh, hit the scoreboard uh, cross half forward. Uh, uh, they're using Corey Corey Wagner in the middle. Um, and uh, Oscar Baker and Trent Rivers also stood out uh, with their speed. Uh, changes for this week. We, we, we've got Sparrows out uh, with the collarbone injury that he sustained during the game. Uh, apparently James Jordan, who probably might have uh, taken his place, has had a mishap in the gym. Um, he's had some surgery on a finger, so I'm assuming some maybe some weights <laughs> fell on him. I, I, don't, I don't know. Does anyone know what happened to James Jordan? George? Yeah, apparently, he generally oh, from one of the in between two barbells or dumbbells, rather. 
Sorry, what happened? Uh, it fell on him. He, he, he jammed his finger oh. in between two dumbbells uh. in the weights room. So um, um, he's had plastic surgery on it. So um, it would seem, seem that it would have been a rather nasty event. Mm. Yes, yeah, so uh, Sparrow out has look looks like they're saying Gorn's ready to come back. Uh, I'm assuming he, uh, that'll be a straight swap with Pruce, uh, or maybe not. Uh, do you think they've got uh, they've got two ruckmen, don't they? Do you, uh, B-Man, uh, what do you think? We go in with two ruckmen, or we just go in with Max? Uh, I think we just go in with Max. Um... I think that's what they should do, and that's what they probably will do. I can't. I just can't see them. Uh, Proust isn't good enough up forward, although he's probably as mobile. Um, and I'm not even being facetious, unfortunately, as Tom McDonald. So um, he could make a contest just as well as Tom McDonald. Um, but I can't see them running the two rucks, even though you know I could see the argument for it. Um, I know George is probably keen on the two rucks. Um, but I, I, my feeling is that they'll just run the one because it throws out their structure a fair bit, having the two where, he, you know, he has to rest up forward. Um, you know, who does he replace up forward? Um, we're already lacking a fair bit of mobility up forward, uh, unless, of course, he does replace Tom McDonald. Uh, anyone else you see coming into the team this week? Uh, maybe Jonesy, uh, who was a late uh, withdrawal. He had awareness, um, Burgess said, uh, awareness of his calf. And um, I'm glad he did. I mean, it would be terrible if he didn't have some awareness of his calf. He, he wouldn't be able to run, would he? But um, it, by sounds of it, he'll be fit. Um, he'll probably come back in. I mean, they'll be loath to make too many changes. What, what's One, what message does it send uh, making lots of changes? Two, it's sort of counterproductive from what, you know, as I was saying before, potentially an issue is how many forwards they've run through their 15. What are they going to do and add another two or three? Um, it's not going to help them build the synergy they need. Um, they simply got to work harder. Um, but they've already got probably Proust comes out. So that's one. Swallow definitely comes out. That's two. Um, they won't want to make too many more. Maybe um, Hannon, who again, he wasn't impressive. He looked like a player who got called up 10 minutes before the game of footy. Um, so... You know, it'd be good to have some run. Personally, I'd like to see Rivers back in because, uh, as George has noted, they're a quick side. Um, they get it on the outside. We, you know, if they do get it past that that player on the switch, um, we've got to have someone who can run them down from behind. And um, if we don't, you know, the same thing will happen to us again as happened this week. George, your changes? Yeah, I think we should be playing two rucks this week. Um, as I said, I, I Watched the Brisbane St Kilda game and Ryder and Marshall um, absolutely uh, uh, ripped, would rip us uh, a new one if we have a single ruckman. Both of them, Ryder is in probably his best form uh, in his career. Um, he's not influential around the ground, but St Kilda drag him off onto the bench. Uh, Marshall is playing over 80% of game time, um, which just consistent with most players these days. Um, and Marshall is a seriously good player as well. So if we and if we expect Tom McDonald to come up against either of them, they will have a they will have a ball and we'll finish up with the same situation as we've seen time and time again this year. Um, robbing our forward line to try and um, solve a problem in the ruck hasn't worked. Um, we just haven't got targets and we don't kick goals. So I'd be leaving Prusy in there, even if you're playing him off the bench to match the time that Ryder's playing off the bench, so be it. Um, but if we go in undermanned in the ruck, they will they will have a, like I said, an absolute ball. Um, I can see Jonesy coming in again. Um, uh, Hannon and Spargo did very little up forward, um, and I can't see both of them keeping their roles um, this week. Um, and I'd like to see Rivers back in to give us that bit of um, run and also so kicking ability up the ground. Um, so uh, I think we're going to lose one out of the forward line. We, we need to back up the forward line just to be the partner for, for Wiedemann and add, add the consistency that we're seeking up there. Every time we drag Tom down to the ruck, uh, not only is Wiedemann left on his own, but it just ruins the whole structure of the forward line. The rest of the forward 
understand what to do, similar to what uh, Big Man's been talking about. So leave Tommy in, leave him up forward to help we there. Two Ruckman and then pick and choose between, you know, maybe we need to be serious at last about whether Fritch and Melcham are providing either the leadership or the consistency or the required pressure or Hannon and Spargo out of the forward line. I think you need to lose one or two of those out of that forward line. They're just not producing what we need to win matches. So um, uh, I think that those are the only realistic um, changes that should be made. We've got quality, those quality, all of those players players are quality players. I think if we start to see the Wagners playing, then we're really starting to scrape the barrel, quite frankly. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Um, uh, boys, we're going to sort of uh, leave it there almost. There's one more thing I want to talk about just because we've got a uh, terrible connection tonight. Um, uh, so apologies to, to listeners. Uh, we've got some... The, been going in and out. Uh, not sure where that's coming from, one of our internet connections or maybe all of us. Um, uh, there was an incident, there was a racial vilification um, uh, incident with, involving Kasai Pickett. Uh, there was a photo shared on one of uh, Melbourne's uh, official Instagram accounts and then there was a, a an offensive comment made. I don't know what it was, but it's probably best uh, it's not mentioned um uh, the comment was uh, promptly removed um but this is you know especially occurring in uh, occurring anytime it's terrible especially in the uh, sir doug nichols round uh which recognizes uh indigenous talent it's just so disappointing that this i mean i'm not surprised it still happens um given some of the 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 vitriol I see on social media and um, I don't have much faith in humanity as it is but you see comments like that and it's uh, it's it's just totally it's abhorrent Um, I don't know what else to say say about it Um, and I'm sure both of you agree to you can't say much more can you Andy it is just just disgraceful um, that people still, there are people around who still think that they can do and say these sort of things and I think the only saving grace from today was the the fool who made the comments and the, the death threats against um, Dylan Grimes was arrested today um, and hope, hopefully that sends the message to a few more of these other fools that uh, putting things out on social media does mean that you can be caught and you you will be prosecuted for these sort of things. So um, um, the, the threat of police action is maybe the only way we're going to do this because I don't think we're going to get any um, hope or um, uh, condolences from people like um, Facebook and all the other social media platforms. They seem to be avoiding policing uh, on their own. So maybe we need to bring in the civil actions to, to get some sort of um, uh, reaction uh, against these, these people. It's just graceful. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that that I think it has to has to go through the police, and that's the only way them and and publicly because it's the only way that message is going to get through to people. Uh, Big man, did you want to add to that? Oh, just actually, sort of one sort of positive in um, this week on the back of. Um, a terrible, terrible negative. I'm, I'm sure you both read the article um, by Russell Jackson on ABC News about Robert Muir and the yes. treatment that he experienced uh, from all his life uh, as a footballer from the moment he played, started playing senior football as a 15-year-old in Ballarat right through to the end of his career at um, Woodfall, I think the Torrens, wasn't it? So um, just, just a heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And um, but uh, I, I think a real positive has been the response from um, the AFL, from St Kilda, uh, from West Torrens as well. Um, you know, it'd be easy to be cynical and say that that's um, reflexive or you know that's a PR exercise. But um, I think that's being overly cynical. And I, and I applaud the Saints for coming out. Um, acknowledging what they did was you know what they didn't do and what they've not done subsequently. And um, similarly for. West Torrens and um, for, for anyone who's not read the article it's um, for someone like myself who grew up in the 70s and um, I, you know, I went to hundreds of games of footy and you'd hear racial abuse it was so common that it, it wasn't even you didn't even think about it um, and so you know I think that perhaps we've moved 
moved a little bit um, forward, a uh, long way to go, but um, yeah, I thought um, the response was, was terrific about uh, um, what was a, just a harrowing story. Absolutely. All right, well, let's, uh, let's hope, uh, you know, we start seeing things change uh, because at the moment it's not. Uh, we see it week in, week out, uh, you know, this racial abuse on social media and it's, uh, it's really got to stop. All right, boys, uh, I think we're going to leave it there because, uh, yep, yeah, I think we've done our dash with, uh, with this just, uh, connection. Just Sandy on one. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, just the positive. The, the way to, wrap, to sort of wrap that week up for us yes. is that we're playing at the Alice and um, you know Cosy didn't have a great game I have to say against the Dogs but surely he'll play in the Alice and um, so that's something to really look forward to the Alice um, Springs game it'll be at night which I don't think we played there at night before and so that'll be fantastic to see and um, we've the club's done a lot of work in the um, centre so I'm really looking forward to that game and I thought that the uh, Dreamtime game up at um, um, Darwin and the Welcome to Country was just amazing so if it's half as um, sort of powerful as that game um, I think we'll be well pleased win or lose What are the conditions uh, this time of year uh, up there like? Do you know? I've got no idea <laughs> Uh, Alice is Alice is a lot lot different from uh, Darwin. Darwin yeah. um, uh, uh, it's it's much drier uh, the heat, whereas Darwin in particular, because mm. I've been up there for a couple of night night games over the years. Darwin um, is magnificent during the day, and then as night falls, the dew starts to come down, and you would have seen how slippery and and difficult it is yeah. to handle the ball. But Alice Springs uh, is much much drier, being in the centre of the continent, so. so uh, you'll see you'll see a good game of football um, in terms of conditions. It'll be it'll be just magnificent to be able to to watch it, and be even more magnificent to actually be there for the people. Well, uh, it, and Andy, yep, I'll just give you a weather forecast oh, I'm for just, Alice Springs uh, on Saturday. I'm, I'm, be... I'm on there. I'm on the app. It's going to rain. As we, no, 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 no. <laughs> We've got perfect sunshine all, all week. Um, Minimum five, maximum twenty eight. Sunny, light winds becoming crisp. Increasingly northeasterly. Uh oh, no, no, it's only fifteen to twenty kilometres. That's fine. Um, well, during the morning, then becoming light during the day. So well, it's it might it'll be perfect. It's all. It's nine p.m. there now. Today, today was thirty-one degrees there. I think Saturday's twenty-eight degrees. But the low, the nine p.m. Sorry, not the low, but the nine p.m. temperature. The current temperature now is twenty-three uh, degrees there now. So you would assume that uh, come Saturday, it's going to be around twenty-two, twenty-three at the time we're playing them. Um, so yeah, the perfect um, conditions. So. All right, boys. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up there, and uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, hopefully not uh, commiserating about. Uh, oh, let's go to the start of that song. Um, yeah, hopefully we're not commiserating about a, a loss in the end of the season for us. Uh, let's uh, let's hope we can get our season back on track and uh, take a scalp, uh, a proper scalp in the in the top eight because uh, I think we need one. All right, boys. Thanks, B man. Thank you, uh, George. And we'll see you next week. Go days. Go red legs. Yeah. <laughs>